What a wonderful morning for us to be here together, as Monty said. Uh, we welcome you to the service of the morning if you're here visiting with us. We're especially glad that you're here. We hope that you know that you're our honored guest on this uh, Resurrection Sunday, this Easter Sunday. We're glad that you've come to worship and to praise with us. Uh, I hope that the song that Monty just led uh, touched your heart in some way, or at least you focused on the words. And I hope that this morning, that something I say will lead you to leave here believing. You know, as the reading of the morning showed us, the tomb was empty. But it's more than just an empty tomb. The tomb was empty because the Savior had risen from the dead. This morning, I want to look at that first Resurrection Sunday. Uh, for those of you who have endured my uh, preaching for a number of years, you might recognize that I love the book of John. There's something about the book of John that is very personal and the stories that are there, uh, very uplifting and edifying for me. It's a book that I look at and when I read those stories, they're stories that I can actually look at and understand and maybe in some way relate to. If you think about that first Resurrection Sunday, it is one of the most tragic and yet most glorious days in the history of man. Tragic in that here is a group of people who have given everything they have and followed a man for three years. Given up everything, yet just a few days before, they watched him hung on the cross, dying with his side pierced by a spear. I'd encourage you to go back and read John the 19th chapter if you want to see the agony and the tragedy that those disciples went through in witnessing that. Certainly when they saw the Savior, the man they were following, hung on that cross saying it is finished in the last breath being taken from his body. His side pierced with blood flowing down, certainly that was an image that they would never, ever forget. I'd encourage you, if you have a Bible, to follow along as we go through John the 20th chapter. I want you to understand Resurrection Sunday this morning. John the 20th chapter says, The first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early, when it was yet dark under the sepulcher, and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulcher. Then she runneth and cometh to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and saith unto them, They have taken away the Lord out of the sepulcher and we know not where they have laid him. It's dark. It's Sunday morning. And Mary comes where she knows they have laid the Savior. And the stone's been rolled away. He's gone. What does she do? She runs to Simon Peter and to John. And she says, he's gone. I don't know where his body is. I don't know where they've laid him. But the tomb's empty. The Savior is gone. Skipping down to verse 8, the Bible tells us as the reading of the morning, as Lonnie read there, that John was so consumed with the idea that Jesus' body was gone that he ran to the tomb, and when he got there to the opening, he stopped. And yet Simon Peter, he went in and he noticed he's gone. So John goes in and it says that John saw and he believed. And I want you to notice that Mary 
Mary knew what she had seen. Mary saw an open tomb. Mary saw an empty tomb. And she evidently went to the first person she could think of, that being Simon Peter, and said, he's gone. And John ran so fast he got to the tomb, he saw it was empty, and yet it wasn't until he stepped in and he saw for himself that he believed. Skipping down to verse 11 there in John the 20th chapter, it says, But Mary stood without the sepulcher weeping, and as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulcher. Jesus said unto her, Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my Father, but go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascend unto my Father and your Father and to my God and to your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things to her. So in verse 11, Mary is standing outside the sepulcher as Peter and John have left. And as she's standing there outside the sepulcher, she begins to cry. And it says she stoops down and she looks in. The Bible tells us there that as she's looking in, she sees the angels. And they want to know why she's crying. And she just wants to know where the Savior is gone. The Bible tells us that Jesus, as she turned, came into her and asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Why are you weeping? Who are you looking for? Mary thought it must have been the gardener. It must have been the the groundskeeper, if you will. And she said, look, just, just tell me where he's at. If you've taken him away, if you laid him somewhere else, just tell me. And Jesus says, Mary, and she knows. The word is rabbinai, or master. There in verse 17, Jesus speaking to Mary alone says, don't touch me yet. I haven't yet ascended to the Father. But here's what I want you to do. You have one job. Mary, you've got one job, and here's what I need you to do. Through the tears, through whatever emotions you're feeling right now, here's what I need you to do. I need you to go to the disciples, and I need you to tell them. Tell them that I ascend unto my Father, and to your Father, and to my God, and to your God. Now notice what it says in verse 18. It says, Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things to her. Now I want to get to verse 19. Verse 19 says, Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and said unto them, Peace be unto you. And when he had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. On that first resurrection Sunday, what happened? Mary comes to the tomb. She sees that it's empty and she runs to a brother, Simon Peter and John, and they go back to the tomb with her. And they look in and they see it's empty. The Savior is gone. Mary, it says, stays there weeping. Jesus comes to her. And when she recognizes him, he says, Go and tell the, my disciples. Go and tell the brethren. Here in verse 19, we, we learn something uh, a very neat about that Resurrection Sunday. What would we call this in verse 19? Here's a group of disciples who have come together to hear about the Lord. This group of disciples has come together in one place to hear about the Lord. And when they gathered together, the Lord appeared. The Lord appeared to them. But then there's Thomas. 
Verse 24 says, But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. I want you to stop and think for a second, where was Thomas? You know, I've heard this couple of verses used to say, uh, you know, if you miss a church service, it might be the one time Jesus came. But I want you to really think about this morning where Thomas was. You know, we, we like to, to look at Thomas, and, and in fact, we call him Doubting Thomas, and, and we like to say, you know, he missed that opportunity. But, you know, as I uh, think more deeply about Thomas, sometimes maybe I would say I relate more to Thomas. I wonder if Thomas was working on that Sunday. I wonder if Thomas just had something else to do and he just wasn't there. I wonder if the grief of what Thomas had seen there on the cross was so heavy he just couldn't leave his house. I want to flip that script just a second. I wonder if Mary actually just messed up the one job she had. I wonder if she got a hold of every other brother and just forgot to tell Thomas. I wonder if it really was Thomas's fault because he forgot to check Facebook. You know, if he'd have just checked Facebook, maybe he'd have known that they were all getting together then. You know what I really have to wonder about? You imagine this is a group of men who have been together through thick and thin. Remember, this is the Thomas who in John the 11th chapter, as Jesus has said, he's going to go raise Lazarus from the dead. This is the same Thomas who said, well, guess what, guys? We're all going with him because we need to die with him. This is the same Thomas. I wonder when you look at Thomas, do you ever wonder why one of the other brothers didn't go, hang on just a second, I got to go get Thomas. They watched Jesus die. They saw him laid in a tomb, and now he's back. And not a one stopped and went, hang on just a second, I've got to get Thomas here. The other disciples therefore said unto him, we have seen the Lord but he said unto them, Except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. You imagine what he's just been told. He missed the gathering. He missed the one time that the Lord came back. He missed that opportunity. And they come to him and they go, I want you to know we have seen the Lord. And he went, Hold on. Oh, hold on a second. I watched him die. I watched his blood flow. I watched him laid into that tomb. Unless I can see it for myself. Unless I can actually put my finger in the nail holes. Unless I can thrust my hand into that speared side. Because I watched him die. I'm not going to believe. The Bible says in verse 26, And after eight days again his disciples were within, and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst, and said, Peace be unto you. Then saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. What if on this resurrection Sunday Jesus came here in the flesh? What would your reaction be? This is a week later, and now Thomas has his chance. The Lord appearing as the doors are shut, says, All right, Thomas, here's your chance. Put your hand into my side. Feel the nail scars. You ever thought about what Thomas did? You know what the Bible doesn't tell us he did? Well, let's think about it. What would you do? You know, there are some who are just curious enough to go, wait a minute, Lord, I believe, but I really want to see, right? There are some who would go, ugh, 
kind of want to squint and look just to see. And then there's Thomas. You remember it was Thomas who said, wait, hold on, brothers and sisters, hold on. Unless I put my hand in his side and I feel those scars for myself, I will not believe. You know what the Bible never says Thomas did? The Bible never tells us that he actually touched the Lord at all. But Thomas answered and said unto him, my Lord and my God. What's so special about his proclamation? You know, it was John who, as he began writing, said, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word was made manifest unto us, speaking of the Savior. And it was Thomas who made that recognition. That the one who was resurrected from the dead was not only the Lord, but he was in fact God. And Thomas made the recognition, not only was he the Son of God, the Lord, but he was in fact God, and he declared, my Lord and my God. And Jesus said unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus, on that Sunday, declared a blessing on those who had not seen. What does that mean for you and I? You know, Peter, James, John, Mary, the other disciples, they saw. They witnessed it. They saw all of these events, and they saw Jesus in the flesh. And yet, Jesus declared a blessing of that day. You want to know what the importance of the Great Commission was? In Acts chapter 1, we read of the ascension where Jesus went to sit on the right hand of the Father. Had it not been for the Great Commission, this blessing would not have been available to those Christians that you read about in the Bible. This blessing that Jesus declared would not have been passed down to you and I here this morning. Jesus said, blessed are they that have not seen and yet believed. You ever seen Jesus in the flesh? If you have, you need to come forward when this is over. We need to have a talk. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet believe. Blessed are you who have not seen and yet believe. But if you don't remember anything else from this Resurrection Sunday, I want you to hear these words of John. John says as he closes out this writing and many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples which are not written in this book you know what John said John said we saw a lot of things and a lot of things that we saw were miracles that were performed by the son of God the one who died on the cross the one who was buried and on the third day he rose again that same one performed so many miracles we didn't even include them in this book but I need you to know why John wrote this book he said, these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. If you're taking notes or you write in your Bible or if on your device you can highlight, I want you to highlight that word believe there in verse 31. You see, that word believe there is something that if you look back at the root and you want to do a word study, um, and I'd prefer you to do it. Don't take my word for it. Go back and study it for yourself. The root of that actually uh, has two meanings. 
You see, a lot of times when we read something like that and we see that it says that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, we think about immediate belief, about someone who has not heard, and yet in this moment they believe. That's the invitation that we give. But see, the root of this word believe actually has another meaning. It actually means to continue believing. You ever thought about that? You know what this verse teaches us and and, and the resurrection teaches us that faith without sight, faith without sight, that's the blessing that Jesus gave, right? He said, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Faith without sight is hard to sustain on its own. What does that mean? You see, Thomas lived alongside Jesus in his ministry. Thomas believed. In fact, Thomas in John the 14th chapter is the one who says, we don't know the way. Teach us the way. I just want to know. He was there in the upper room. He believed. He had been converted. And yet there was something that made him doubt. Have you ever doubted? I wonder how many would say, nope. Look, faith without sight, that's what's required of us. And I'll tell you, this verse says that faith without sight is difficult to sustain on its own. What do I mean by that? You know what Thomas needed? The same thing you need and the same thing I need. And that's daily to be with the Lord. How do you do that? In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. You know, many times we uh, set aside the book the scriptures and we go you know what I just need to hear Ian preach and that's good enough for me I'll tell you Thomas had Peter that was his Ian and he said I need something more you know there's a lot of things in life that can make us doubt there was something that led the Holy Spirit to lead Paul to write to the church at Galatia be not weary in well-doing for in due time you shall reap if you faint not why is that Can you imagine all of the things in a single day that can lead us away, that can make us doubt? And John said, I wrote these things down that you'd get through that doubt. I wrote these things down that you would read through these, that you might not only believe to conversion, but that you might continue to believe unto death. You see, if that tomb hadn't been empty and Jesus hadn't reappeared to the disciples, You and I have no hope this morning. As Paul said, we are of all men most miserable. If Jesus died on that cross and stayed in that tomb, there is no such thing as grace. There is no such thing as mercy. And there is no such thing as remission of sin. But the tomb was empty on that resurrection day. And Jesus appeared in many infallible proofs. There were no question to those who had seen him. And it is that Savior that the Scriptures declare. If you're not a child of God this morning, we plead with you to join the family of God, to become a child of God, being buried with Him in baptism, taking on the likeness of His death, rising from that watery grave, just as He resurrected from that tomb. If you are a child of God and there's something that you're in need of prayers, that you're in need of of a hand in that, that you uh, have some doubts or something that's led you away, we'd encourage you to come forward.
as we stand to sing the song that's been selected.